When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by somebody who uh, inadvertently, like this one, this time I didn't even mean to test it, but I said yesterday that uh, you were coming on, Sabrina, to talk about Dennis Schroeder. Um, I didn't say you by name, but like I think you're kind of known on the show as like the Dennis Schroeder stan. The um, number one Dennis Schroeder apologist. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it, you kind of give it away when, like, every time somebody tweets something, you just reply to it. That's tough. Like, I think that's <laughs> right. with a few with a few fire emojis. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you've now survived the curse twice. You are now officially like one of the show's best friends, having mm. uh, been on now as often as you have, and um, and are killing it as as you always are at the athletic. So, thank you very much for hopping on. Yeah, happy to be here. I mean. You just keep sending out the bat signal to talk about my favorite things. So here we are. <laughs> I said, like, I before we hopped on, we were like, uh, yeah, I want to talk about Dennis Schroeder, and then we'll just talk about the draft. And you were like, I don't know anything about the draft. And I mean either. But that doesn't stop me. It doesn't um, <laughs> I, I have found it really difficult to care about this draft. Like, other than Wimby. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, like, whatever happens with Dame at the top of the draft, like, that stuff. But, like, as it pertains to the Lakers drafting number 17, normally by now I would have had Mike on the show um, to talk about to talk about the Lakers draft stuff. Alex is also pretty good. Alex Regal is also pretty good mm -hmm. about draft players. I did have Ricky on. Normally I'd, I'd even have, like, Sam Vecini on or whatever. But I just, I just know that the Lakers aren't using number 17 like <laughs> they're I just, not using it okay. i i can't i can't like i can't get not myself even like a trading down situation <laughs> no i don't see it i don't see okay. it I, I i what do you think though i i just think they're they were so close to the finals um that there's just there's no reason to to think that like you would and like last year max christie was like a a pretty good rookie i thought like all things considered and he couldn't yeah. play like he didn't play mm -hmm. so like the thought that they would draft another player and then like hope that Max Christie steps up and then wait another year for number 17 to, to develop into a role. Like, I just don't, I don't see that for them. So I apologize for not knowing this, but did the Lakers have a second round pick in this draft? Yeah. He's like 47. Okay. So like mm -hmm. not a, I think everything after 45 is basically just throwing, you know, darts at yeah. the board and seeing what happens. Okay. Um, on the one hand, I would think that just, given the fact that the Lakers don't have control over their pick next year or potentially the year after 
and with all of these budgetary constraints coming with the second apron and the new CBA and whatnot, you'd think that they'd want a nice young cost controlled mm-hmm. player this year as they, you know, prepare for the future. Because like, as much as I agree with you that, you know, one round away from the finals, this is a team that should be going all in. Like there are challenges to building a team that are coming up very soon. And so yeah. I do not blame the Lakers at all. If they decide like, Oh, 17, like, we're not going to have an opportunity to control our first round pick for the next couple of years. Like maybe we should just take advantage of this. Like I get that. I totally get that. And especially yeah. with a, a team that's so good that identifying talent in that range, even lower than that range, usually like to want that pick makes perfect sense to me, but I'm also looking at the market. Right. And I'm going to ignore the Brad Beal trade just because the no trade clause makes it entirely mm-hmm. difficult to like extrapolate it outwards. But like, this deal, this Kristaps Porzingis, Malcolm Brogdon deal that's coming along. Uh, One the market, first rounder I believe, being involved I believe you've talked about this. The market is resetting. And yeah. uh, if you can put number 17 out there and just, you know, attach some matching salary, like I'm not of the belief that Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley are actual value. They're literally just salary yeah, to make this happen. And you, you have to make the deal happen now before the new worlds come into play on July 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a real chance to like get something for number 17. And yeah. I think that's, I don't know. It's more interesting. Cause like I, I keep saying the Lakers don't have control of their pick for the next couple of years. It's only one first round that they're owed. It's just, we don't know what year it is because new, new Orleans has that deferment option, which yeah. is so weird, but like, there are more firsts coming, you know, like it's not like the Lakers are completely bereft of young talent. Rui's only four years into the league. Austin's only a couple of years into the league. Max obviously still there. Um, like, I don't hate the amount of young talent that the Lakers have right now, which is a stupid thing to say because they don't have any first-round picks. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm coming around to the idea that, like, 17 could be a very useful trading chip. I like how you just went, like, full spectrum there. Like, you mm-hmm. just you just, yeah. you just started you started here, and you were like, you know, actually, the more I kind of talk about it, this is exactly how my takes all happen. That's how, like, they, they, I, mean, I just start talking, and also, I land on an island. Like, I don't know anything about this men's college basketball class. Like, zilch. I, I come on yeah. here, and people know that, like, I saw a mock draft, I think, in The Athletic, actually, that had uh, – the Lakers selecting Derek Lively at number 17. I was like, that is one player I know who I would be happy for the Lakers to take. Yeah. Because I do think that having a backup center, uh, I don't know why we just decided that they didn't need that last year. Um, but <laughs> I think be they nice. tried. You know, <laughs> the super athletic, failed like he can switch everywhere. I like that mold of a player, you know? Yeah. But I mean, if the Lakers are in discussion with Indiana or something, like that's a better player <laughs> than better we had at number center. 17. <laughs> Uh, you want to explain why you know who Blake Li- or, or no, not Blake Lively, but Blake Lively. <laughs> I also know who Blake Lively. Is. <laughs> you know what? I'd be fine with them drafting Blake Lively. You know, <laughs> um, but Real Derek Lively. Yeah. Why, why? Why would you? Why? Why? Why is it exactly that you know who uh, Lively? I mean, is? the one men's college basketball team that I still watch is Duke. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> it's the one. It's the one thing that I can hold against you is is your it's Duke fandom and, and where you went mm-hmm. to school is is that. Um, no, I, I I like the idea of like lively in in that uh I like drafting young centers because you can give them a super narrow role at the very beginning of their careers and let them like expand out. Whereas if you draft a point guard right, there's that's a whole bunch of stuff that they have to figure out on the fly. Mm-hmm. Wings have to like step in. Like what Max Christie did last year I thought was 
miraculous, you know, that every time he stepped onto the court, he looked like he belonged there at one of the more difficult spots in the league. Whereas like a big, you're just like, Hey, be better than Mo Bamba. Like, can, can, can we do that? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Be bigger than Wenyan and be more active than Mo. And, and, and I think, um, lively can check both of those boxes. Although the more no, that I kind of seven like, feet tall, like that's, that's legit. Yeah. That's something there. Yeah. And like a le- legit seven feet. Like it's not the, it's not like the Thomas Bryant. If you squint and he's on his tippy toes seven no and you, you, know. you feel it in like the amount of ground that he covers so yeah yeah the only the only knock on him that makes me nervous uh was ricky saying either on the show or in writing about him that uh he's not as physical as his size would portend you know and that when it when it's a big because that's a, that's a motor question right that's mm-hmm. like that's that's a that's a mentality thing and one one of my theories that I've had, one of the, the the theories I've had for the longest in my, you know, even dating back to before I started doing any of this, was like guards tend to love the sport more in general than bigs. Bigs, mm-hmm. like they're just like, I'm seven feet, I'm athletic. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's why I'll, I've always liked those those guys with really late growth spurts. Because yeah. they grew to love the game as guards, and then we're like, all of a sudden, hey, I can have yeah. all of this like physical tools to play with. Too. Yeah, the Lakers yeah. have one of those guys. It's turned out all right. In, it's okay. In AD. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I like the idea of, of lively. That one, that one, like question mark about him makes me a little nervous. But even there, like I said, I mean, at far the top, be it for me to contradict Ricky, but I never felt that way watching lively. I okay. mean the. The fouls were always an issue, but like that's less of a thing when you're a backup in the NBA and there are also six fouls as opposed to five. Yeah. Um, he also, he kind of reminds me of like after I hit my growth spurt in high school, but like still was entirely unconvinced with my ball handling, I would just grab all the rebounds and immediately dish out. And like he never looks <laughs> at the basket. <laughs> just It's always like he looks to yeah. score less than like Ben Simmons does. So that's yeah. that was like my main thing. But I mean, I don't know that the Lakers really need somebody who's looking to score. So. Yeah, I remember I, when I was coaching, I had a girl who um, I won't name for you know, but but like I, I she had a listens girl. to the show clearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, I'm actually complimenting her. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, so I I I uh, I took over this job, and it was clear she had been coached by nothing but old school coaches, right? She was a mm. big, and it was always like grab the board and and kick it out and run the floor, right? And um, we were doing dribbling drills one day, and she was like top three in her ability to like dribble two balls at one time and go through all of like the, you know, just the rudimentary drills or whatever. But mm-hmm. like, I'm looking around at everybody else. I'm like, why aren't you, dri- why don't you dribble? And so, um, you know, I, I pulled her aside and, and, uh, you know, cause I, I had, so I was basically, I was a men's JV coach and, and like varsity assistant the year before. And then, uh, took over the women's program the following year. And so I had like watched them play and I never saw this from, uh, this girl, I almost said her name and, and, um, actually her name, like I'm complimenting her. It's Kelly Burns. Like she was, she was a really fun player to coach. So, so I, like, I, 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 I never saw that from her and I pulled her aside at like, after, like, as yeah, we, we went to, it was like a water break and I pulled her aside. I was like, Hey, why don't you dribble? Like, do, do you want to try dribbling? <laughs> And she was like, yeah, 
Like her whole face just like like the, lit up the whole gym. Yes, coach, I would love to dribble. And and like so from then on, I, the, the following game, uh, we were doing like a Valencia. Um, There's like a Valencia summer league. So the first day that I say, hey, next time you get a rebound, um, at the very least, take two dribbles. She was left-handed. Take dribble, two dribbles out away from the basket and try to find somebody streaking either up the court or I'll mm-hmm. like, we'll work on point guards to, to start moving alongside you. Right. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, that, that sounds great. And like that, <laughs> the next, that, that next, um, game, the first time she goes to dribble, she dribbles right off of her foot and you just, <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was so bummed and she kind of looked at me and I was like, no, 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 you're good. You're good. Try it again. And then, so like from that on, from, from that point forward though, we had another girl, Mariah, who was like a, this like crazy athletic wing. And so we would get like two on one breaks for all season, just off of every miss because nobody expected, cause every, all, it's like a lot of old school coaches, nobody mm-hmm. expected this big to like put the ball on the floor. It's supposed to like drop it off yeah. and you know. She yeah. was just like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, that was one of the, like one of those places where, um, yeah, I, it, the, the, the bigs who, develop or work there as she worked hard to be able to dribble that way mm-hmm. the bigs who like f- like learn later in life hey i can actually dribble like watching that it's always so fun to watch that kind of like dawn on them like i could just imagine like lamar odom when they started realizing oh yeah yeah you're tall <laughs> but also we don't want you just to back down people can we just try yeah. like see what it looks like um yeah that's that's always a blast but all that said i think they're trading the pick like yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um all that said like you know uh it's just it so like i was having this conversation with aaron and um you know we were going going back and forth on like what we should be considering the the ceiling to be right and i had that conversation with matt on the show about like what the lakers expectations going into next season should be and Matt obviously is a little bit lower. I'm a little higher than Matt. And then Aaron, it sounded like was kind of like somewhere in between Matt and me. And mm-hmm. I said to him, like, all last year, the entire season, it was just like, just give LeBron and AD a chance, right? Like, just just give those guys, because they didn't have a chance with Russell Westbrook, the basketball player, or Russell Westbrook, the, the contract, right? Just mm-hmm. give them... A, a a few role players, some spacing, and let's just see what the season turns out to be, right? And then boom, Western Conference Finals, right? And, right. and, and like, I, you know, some of that might be confirmation bias on my part. Some of this might be confirmation bias on my part that like I was right in that regard that, or so right to that regard that I might have a blind spot now, but I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it like, same thing, let's just... Yeah. Give, them, give, them, give them a better chance and see what that yeah. looks like. And I think, like, given what the market is producing for first-round picks, you can get a really good chance, it looks like, um, you know, whether it's a Royce O'Neal or any of Brooklyn's other wings, Miles Turner is you want on a, the board. a Brooklyn wing? What's that? You want a Brooklyn wing? Yeah, well, like, that's – those are those I mean, are it's some not names Bridges. Like, it'll be, like, yeah. Royce or Dorian Finney-Smith or – yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know if that I don't think either of those guys necessarily weren't like a first. Um yeah, given I don't what think other so guys. Either. But like Miles Turner, you know, Turner and Probably Field, you yeah. know, for, for, for a first, like for, for a single first for those two guys. And all you're sending out is Malik Beasley who didn't play last year and Mo Bamba who played less somehow. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah, I think that's yeah. a, like a significantly better chance than the Lakers gave LeBron and AD for like more than half of last season. And that's all I can really think about. So even as I'm like looking at these mock drafts and all I ever do is just scroll down to like number the, 17, yeah. the range or whatever, like what name is, is, is coming up yeah. for the Lakers. Even as I do that in my own lackadaisical way, I mean, I'm still thinking like, yeah, that player sounds like fun. Also, Miles Turner sounds like a yeah. lot. Like, <laughs> that's, that's all I can really think about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's been a long time that Miles Turner has been on the radar. So, very long time that he's been That's on the why radar. I named my son Miles. Like, you know. I know, same spelling, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's, let's get to the, to the real reason that you're here. We have to talk mm-hmm. about your boy. Um, we my have boy. to talk okay. about <laughs> Dennis Schroeder. Such a <laughs> weird full circle not a full circle just like a 180 that's taken place with me and dennis yeah. over the years you know why why is it a 180 we should explain that to, to people all right cause... so in the 2020 offseason you know those three week offseason that the lakers had after winning the title and then heading into mm-hmm. the 2020 21 season uh they traded away danny green and a first round pick for dennis Schroeder, which i thought was a vast overpay for someone of dennis Schroeder's talents because yeah. he was at best a backup guard and i didn't think that a backup guard warranted a first round pick plus Danny Green, who I thought was actually a positive value, despite the fact that he appeared to barely be able to walk by the end of the finals. And I maintain that he was positive value because he fetched positive value when Oklahoma City eventually flipped him to Philadelphia later that Mm offseason. So didn't like the process of bringing in Dennis Schroeder. Him on the Lakers, though? Big fan. (laughs) Really, really enjoyed the Dennis Schroeder experience. (laughs) I mean, we can separate those two things, right? Like, I don't agree with how much they had to give up to get him, but I Mm -hmm. thought once he got on the Lakers, like... I think it made really a good combination with him and LeBron and him and Anthony Davis. Like the fact that they had Marcus all as the center, you know, meant that you could afford another non shooter in the yeah. lineup because Gasol was providing spacing anyway. And it, I mean, those, those lineups, like that starting five with him, KCP, LeBron, AD and Gasol was just gangbusters that year. And yeah. we didn't get to see a lot of it because LeBron got, got hurt. Sick. AD got hurt. Mark got sick. But Dennis just played really, really hard all year. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think about – this is like a very silly play to think about, but like there was that one game that they played against the Nuggets where Dennis like dives onto the floor into the backcourt to save a ball and like Frank picks him up and like gives him a hug and it's just like this (laughs) really great hustle play. So wholesome. Uh, So wholesome. And that was just kind of effort you got from most of the Lakers role players that year. Like they all played really, really hard. And I thought he just set a really good tone like as the starting guard that year, I understand like he wasn't, he's not a true point guard, but you don't really need a true point guard next to LeBron James. He's not a great shooter, but he makes his free throws, which I think is really important. And he just provided some element of rim pressure that none of the other Laker guards are really doing. And I just, I don't know. I had a great time with Dennis shooter experience. And I think he should have taken the extension regardless of whether he believes he was offered it or not. Yeah. Um, the Both sides better stuff. off had he taken yeah. that extension because they don't make the rush off. trades. <laughs> they don't. They, that, that doesn't happen. I mean, I think he was even floated in like that Kyle Lowry trade at the deadline, right? It was him and KCP and THT, I want to yeah. say, for Kyle Lowry yeah. at the deadline. 
uh, would have been, you know, probably fine with that too, because I'm not like insane here. Like I realized that a shooter is not like a starting caliber point guard in the finals type of player. I get that, yeah. but he was just a good guard for the Lakers. And, you know, like you said, you put good players around LeBron and AD, you give them a chance. And Dennis, the kind of guy who gives LeBron and AD a chance. And yeah. for some reason that's been like harder to cobble than I thought it would be, you know, since yeah. LeBron got to LA, but Dennis is definitely one of those guys. And yeah, he, he does very stupid things, you know, like the, the whole vaccine <laughs> nonsense and just continuously putting LeBron's business on blast, like over and over again. <laughs> LeBron I don't has, know like, why he does that. <laughs> LeBron has all of ESPN better, like better organized with his news than his own starting point guard. It's the craziest thing. <laughs> it's so weird. It's the weirdest thing. But yeah, you know, LeBron still trusts him enough, you know, to kick out to him in the corner, you know, for a game, potential game-winning three against Minnesota in the play-in. Um, he has like a nice little clutch reel from his, you know, play this season. Mm -hmm. I probably should focus a little bit on Dennis this year because that's more relevant to what I think he'd actually be coming back. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, first of all, I, I mean, assume like, he's coming back. Like, let's you do. put that on. I assume he's coming back. Yeah. Hmm. One, I one of my great choices out. last because year of, because was, of everything you said. I think they're priced out. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. One of my great joys last year during the summer was just watching EuroBasket and falling in love with Dennis Schroeder again. <laughs> just watching yeah. him play for Germany <laughs> and making Raj talk about Dennis week after week <laughs> before it was clear <laughs> that the Lakers were interested. In him. <laughs> so it's so funny. Your experience is the yin, yin to yin, my yang, right? right? Whereas I was really happy that they, like, I liked, because it looked like Dennis Green was breaking down. Danny Green was uh, breaking down. Um, another situation there where, like, a first-round pick with that, with those Lakers, right, wasn't going to be, what you know, it's like a late 20s pick, I think. Um, and and I, I thought that, uh, I thought Truder was going to be the sixth man, um, which, yeah, that was overpaying for a six man. That was overpaying for a backup point guard. But the Lakers that year, I thought really struggled with the second units. And, and like, um, if you just like swap out, Ron like playoff Rondo was one thing, but regular season Rondo, like people forget how awful an experience that was. Horrific. Horrific. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so, uh, if you just like swapped out regular season Rondo for like a full year of playoff Rondo, because that's like, that's the player that Dennis Schroeder was um, the season before they traded for him. And then you just permanently put uh, Alex Caruso in the starting group. And then you let Dennis Schroeder run second units. Like I thought that made a whole bunch of sense. I really liked all of it. And then like, to your point, like objectively speaking, Schroeder with those starting groups did work really well because of what Mark brought um, offensively. But then like, I also think, and this is where we like shift into last year and, and reviewing his last season. Um, I thought that like, now that AD can't shoot and with LeBron apparently really struggling to shoot, when the Lakers were uh, struggling down the stretches of games against Denver, like they had to play somebody and Schroeder made the most sense to play as their fifth guy in those lineups, but it consistently gummed up the offense. And uh, I didn't think ham and I, he didn't have very many other choices to make there, 
but like he kept on going to that going to that um option and you know i think he kind of hurt down the stretches of those games and i just i don't quite trust ham with schroeder on the team to not play him in a role that is bigger than he actually should be in um and that's where that's where like yeah the the, the overall shooter experience pretty positive last year super positive i think it's really it's a really cool story that he was such like a public embarrassment um he, he <laughs> suffered such public embarrassment like because he didn't take that because he didn't take that uh, extension mm-hmm. um and like he you know he went scoreless in the lakers last game right against phoenix and was kind of like the face of that disappointment even though it was unrealistic disappointment because both lebron and ab 80 were hobbled um it was just it was just like a really i thought that that experience the first time around started positively ended disastrously and then he plays really well for Euro uh, in Eurobasket, and then you know the Lakers pick him up and was kind of mo- were mocked for doing that, and I thought played so well that I think they're priced out of being able to bring him back unless they want to dip in to their uh, taxpayer mid level for him, which I would rather not do. I, I would I I think that would be too much. It sounds like there's a lot of stuff happening on your end. <laughs> yeah, Avery's uh, Avery, Avery is nuts. She's not she's happy about the, tennis shooter. <laughs> she, she's, she's well, she was really angry. She started screaming and crying when we were talking about Chris Paul. So this is at mm-hmm. least a better like response than that. I like, can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Chris so Paul I, I thing think, looks like it's happening, by the way. Like I Yeah, now you know. the, the Clippers have Brogdon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so that's the thing with Truder is like he's a guy on a minimum, right? This year. And I don't know that Ham had better options than playing him as much as he did during the playoffs, right? Like, I don't blame Dennis for that because, mm-hmm. like, Lonnie Walker had spent most of the regular season suggesting that he was indifferent to defense, and D'Lo was whatever the hell was happening to D'Lo during the playoffs, especially during that Western Conference final series. Mm-hmm. And Dennis was, like, damn good defensively, too, and I understand yeah. why that was earning him so many minutes. Like, the way he was able to stay attached to Curry, like, I mean, he made Jamal Murray work, too, which is really really hard considering the physical gap between the two of those yeah it's just i i have a hard time blaming dennis for the roster construction issues that existed on the lakers but i also understand where you're coming from where if you keep giving darvin ham these tools to play with he's going to keep going back to this you know little point guard that he had in atlanta with him who he's grown up with and like yeah, clearly is very very fond of well and and he ideologically likes to go small like you know I, I guess we'd have to find out, right? Because that was all of that he would, you know, th- those were all of the tools he was given was <laughs> six, four and under combo guards. Right. Um, and so he played as many of those guys as he possibly could to mm-hmm. not great results. Um, and so like, well, I guess we'll kind of see what, if if he is given a bigger roster, how he handles that. But even there, like the fact that he just never considered playing Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura together, right? He would he would stretch the definitions of of three and D wing to make Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn work, but he just like never considered Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt together. And like, it, would it be clunky potentially? Totally, yeah. Yes. But I'd like to find out. Like I'd I'd like to see it before we just define it as clunky. It's kind of like when the Lakers had Caruso, and it'd be like, 
is is there maybe like a, a a minutes max that he can play and play that hard? Probably, but I'd like to see it before we just let the guy walk <laughs> and become a first team All NBA defender. Um, so yeah, I I I I would it be it'd be interesting to see like which other guards the Lakers have in mind. Um, I threw out Kyle Lowry in yesterday's show. If like a Damian Lillard trade happens, and then Chris Paul could potentially get bought out too, it looks like. Um, and I'd rather have both of those guys over Dennis Schroeder. But also, it's not the worst outcome here. So long as, so long as like all, and, and this is the same for Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul. I want Austin Reeves to be seen as the point guard next year. So anybody who takes possessions away from him, I'm kind of sort of out on. And I just kind of feel like, um, I guess you can say the same thing for Paul maybe less so Lowry and certainly with Schroeder because of the amount of trust that Ham has for him. You just mm-hmm. know that Schroeder's starting next year if he's on the team. Like you just, you just know he's starting. I mean, and if I, he and D'Lo both come back, then I doubt he's starting. You think? Yeah. Because like Eric Pincus has on multiple <clears throat> occasions now thrown out the idea of uh, Dennis, D'Lo, and Reeves starting next year. And that's usually that informed. Just, like, bonked him in the head. <laughs> like, yeah, sure like it's it's inform. It's usually informed speculation when he's when he says stuff like that, right? Like you. Well, I, I will say that Jared Vanderbilt did not have the most inspiring postseason. You know, the last six games or so. Fair. And I mean, I just looked up the numbers with him and Rui on the court together in the playoffs, and ninety possessions of absolute tire fireness. Um, so I mean, ninety possessions is not nothing. That's like a game. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had forgotten that he was the starting small forward before the Lakers went into all this. I mean, don't you think Rui's earned something? Like, the postseason he that he had? Wouldn't you want to yeah. play him next to LeBron and AD as much as possible? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, God, that's That's, <laughs> that's why, like, when I, saw, when I saw so. those posts, I was like, hmm? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, Rob? Rob, get, leave. <laughs> walk out of the Disneyland churro stand. Like I like let's just like let's let's think this over and 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 again like uh, accept the identity that I think the Lakers mm-hmm. should have accepted. We this is what we talked about last time you were on the show. They were big and they were bruising and they were physical and they were athletic and they you know they and we saw it in the Warriors series just this year right where and, and even the Memphis one where in both of those series over the course of it it was what Denver wound up doing to the Lakers. Um, but in both of their first two, uh, series this year, it was like, yeah, you just kind of, it's, you, you beat them kind of into submission and eventually there's just so tired and so worn down that even like clay didn't appear to have any legs by the end of that series. Steph looked exhausted. Even as he was playing really well, it looked like it was taking everything out of him to Mm -hmm. play that well. And, and yeah, I, and, and like, that's my concern here. And, and. You're right. It's not fair that like I assign that identity to Dennis Schroeder, but also that identity of, of trying to play super small and quick and, and be up in your face and stuff like that. That is Dennis Schroeder's like calling. I mean, it works that's, against that's the what Warriors. he brings to the table. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. They did go smaller against the Warriors and put Schroeder in the starting lineup and it inadvertently cost them in game one against Denver because it worked so well against Golden yeah. State. But yeah, I, I think 
I think a lot of this just comes down to like what you believe about Darvin Ham. Like, was he just working with the tools the Lakers had last year, or does he philosophically believe that three guards is a, a meaningful way of trying to win basketball games? Like, I would hope that the body of evidence over the course of the 82 games that he coached, plus however many playoff games, what four, yeah. six, and six, so 16 playoff games. Like, I would hope that suggested, like, hey, when the Lakers go bigger, good things happen. Like, remember yeah. those first 50 and games? the entirety the... of basketball history. Uh, like, you know I mean? natural history. Where, like, bigger is better. work just fine. Like, the, the Warriors had great success with that pool party lineup two years ago. You know, like, mm-hmm. when you have really great shooters, I think going small makes sense. The Lakers just had none of the benefits that come with going yeah. small. Just all of the, you know, the downsides Concerns. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I... I I think like the Schroeder thing is just one number one. I don't think he's going to get great offers around the league because his personality seems like it's kind of grating. <laughs> like I don't think he's the <laughs> kind of guy that like young teams are going to want to bring in. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't think he's like a veteran leader by any means. And I say this as like a, a big fan of the guy. I don't think he's like the locker room stabilizer you want. You don't you know, think like he's going to take some young point guard under no, his no, wing? No, no, there's a special mix that makes Dennis Schroeder work. And yeah. the Lakers appear to have found like a good enough, good enough situation here, which again, I am stunned by considering how annoyed LeBron must be by him all the time. <laughs> like he has to be. Yeah. He just he so, seems so hyperactive. I'm not terribly worried about the Lakers being priced out of the Schroeder experience, but I also understand yeah. like he cost himself a ton of money and needs to recoup some of it. Yeah. But like, I mean, if it, would you be willing to spend the, what is it? The mini mid I don't know what it's called now, but that $5 million mid-level on yeah. Schroeder. Not for the Lakers. Um, okay. I could see, I could see some other team doing it. I could see mm-hmm. them like, I think Jovan Buha said that some team is prepared to make an offer close to the non-taxpayer mid-level, which is upwards of 10 mil. Um, and I'm eager to see what team that is. I, like I, that yeah. seems like, yeah, that, that, that seems like, you know, an agent who's really, really, really excited about the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, that um, shooter just had, but uh, I could see like, I, you know, um, before they before they brought in Brogdon, I thought like Schroeder might make some sense for for the Clippers. You know, like if if like they wanted to, like because you have, especially if they start playing Kawhi at the four more, that spaces the floor enough to where you can kind of make up for um, Schroeder's lack of shooting ability and um, and also, I think he fits in with kind of their persona of you know in your face and what is it street lights over spotlights or whatever it is, or at least that's how they think of themselves. That's not actually like (laughs) how that's actually played out. But like, I do think there are some teams out there where he makes some sense, like as, as like a second ball handler, you know? Um, And like you're saying, it's not to say that like Dennis Schroeder is in any way heading to the poorhouse or anything like that, but he did, pass up on $80 million. And uh, since then he has made a combined five, I think uh, yeah, for, for the last yeah. two, for the last two seasons of, of um, veteran minimum contracts. So like, I think at the very least uh, I think he's probably expecting the Lakers to dip into their, if not, if they aren't going to use all of their mid-level money on him, mm-hmm. but dip into some of it to bring him back. Right. 
Um, that's probably what he's expecting of a team that he like, you know, should maybe consider or probably thinks he has some goodwill with for the way that he came back and competed. But all that said, like the Lakers are probably looking at him like, you'd be out of the league. You were out of the league by the time uh, we, we offered that deal to you. So I, I, yeah, I, I think 12 is obviously way too high, but I could too see high, him yeah. fetching somewhere like five. And I, and given what other needs that the Lakers have, like if it looks like they're probably bringing back Russell, um, you know, it, they've been trying to find a trade partner and haven't been able to find anybody like that interested in, not just signing D'Angelo Russell to a two-year, forty million deal, but like giving up players to do so. Right. To um, make the signing trade work. Yeah. Yeah. That that hasn't uh, really kind of come to fruition quite yet. So it looks like D'Lo is probably back, and I think between D'Lo and Austin, I think that's plenty of guard. Like I think that's mm-hmm. plenty of ball handler uh, between the two of them. And there's so there would be there. You know, I think they still need a defender at the two. And Schroeder can't do that. And I think mm-hmm. you can get a decent defender at the two um, using that taxpayer mid-level in, in, in ways that like hoping that Troy Brown Jr. is better or hoping that, you know, Max Christie is ready for that. Yeah, or yeah. Who, uh, who are you thinking of for a defender at the two? You know, you asked me that last time and I meant to think about it and I didn't think about it. <laughs> Because, um, so. <laughs> again, I love the theory of that lineup. Yeah. I just don't know who that is. Well, this is where uh, – so the Lakers obviously have been in talks all over the league for, for mm-hmm. you know, Bamba and or Beasley and draft picks for X player, right? And it really mm-hmm. struck me as interesting that Gary Trent Jr. opted in before the draft when he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um and you know you have a clutch connection there uh yeah well that's the thing though is that the lake the lakers you know i think beasley works straight up for him and that would be fine he's not like he's he's not kcp level defender but he at least cares on that side of the ball so like for me that would be perfect you know and then you still have your mid-level if you decide to be perfect if beasley came back no no Beasley and a pick oh, for, for Trent, yeah, yeah, Trent okay, yeah. for Trent. Like that would, that would be one of the better starting lineups in in the league. I think next year with yeah, Reeves, Trent, Rui, LeBron, and AD. That'd be that'd be pretty tough to beat. And then if you decide you want to so go, you out mean and, Reeves, Trent, Dennis Schroeder, LeBron, and AD? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, who's the oh, and Christie? Christie's actually starting at the four, and LeBron, and LeBron at the five, AD coming off of the bench. Yeah. Um, anything else on Schroeder? Any parting thoughts on, on Schroeder? If that was, if that, if this season was the last that we've seen of Dennis Schroeder, Los Angeles Laker, or if it's just like a weird every other year, they just bring him back for some reason. Um, <laughs> what, what, what's your like overall experience? You know, you went from, you talked about, you know, how you went from not being thrilled that they were going to get him to like actually kind of liking it. But where do you land on like Dennis Schroeder fandom? Do you have his jersey hanging in your in your closet somewhere? I mean, I'm glad he said closet because clearly the walls here. There's no Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> That's what I should do for next time I'm on this show. Just like a little a little gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a number seven Laker jersey. I could easily just add some tape. You know, seventeen yeah. is very easy to turn that into. Yeah. Is that an Odom one? That's Odom, right? It's Odom, yeah. 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 
And then, um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some letters, there's some letter crossover. You could maybe finagle Struder. Into... The, it was, uh, almost a, a Darius Johnson Odom jersey. <laughs> Cause he also smartly wore number seven when he was briefly on the Lakers. <laughs> Oh man, the DJO also yeah. left-handed, right? Like that was uh, the Lakers was... had some weird-ass second-round picks before the the younger buses got involved. <laughs> <laughs> Just some very very weird selections. I still yeah. believe in Soon Yue. I still believe one day Chinese Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, before we get you out of here, anything uh, anything that you're working on? You want to give us an update on the Sparks? Like how's how how is their season? We spoke like a couple weeks ago. Has anything mm-hmm. changed? Um, you know, I think uh, general competence is still the vibe. Uh, they'll yeah. maybe make the playoffs, probably make the playoffs, unclear. Uh, they've just played three games against Minnesota in the last 10 days. And uh, longtime Sparks fans may be aware that the Sparks in Minnesota had like the great rivalry of the 2010s yeah. in the WNBA. And they proceeded to lose all three games to Minnesota just in increasingly devastating fashion. Fantastic. So. <laughs> That was that was a rough week in Sparks Phantom. <laughs> but it hey, now so that that weird. part of the schedule is over. <laughs> it was so weird to see, um, like, because, cause, like, Maya Moore, like, hasn't been in the WNBA for a while. Yeah, she officially there, right? retired um, earlier um, this year. But she officially retired, and then I think they did her jersey ceremony, and then somebody else's, I believe, in Minnesota. Um, um, they may have done Sylvia Fowles, yeah, just recently. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was so wild, like, um, Maya Moore's documentary is going to be an all-timer, an all-timer, like for everything that we went on. Cause she was, she was one of the first players that I looked at. I was like, oh my God, that's what's next in the WNBA. Yeah, she was nice just, she moved like mellow. Like she moved, like she was just, it was wild to watch that. And I was like, holy crap, that is insane that a WNBA player is moving like that. And then all of a sudden she was gone. And yeah. like, it was just watching, you know, seeing her like officially retire <laughs> and then like the, you know, some of the talk after it made me feel a, like kind of sad for what basketball lost because mm-hmm. she was so effing good. Um, but be super old because I yeah. don't feel like it was that long ago that I watched her and thought like, holy crap, that's next. Like that, that yeah. player is going to rule the WNBA forever. Yeah, I, I was like in college was like at the same ago. time as Maya, and I remember when UConn came down to play Duke and just watching her live for the first time and thinking, like, oh, so this is like a different game that she's playing than everybody yeah. else. Just, <laughs> it, like you said, the way she moved, unreal. Um, I was really good friends with one of the guys on the scout team for the Duke women's basketball team, and he used to say that, like, the plays that we have to scout for Maya Moore are just different than anything else for yeah. any other team that we play against. Like, the lob plays, you know, like, other women just don't run those. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I, I mean, just the greatest player I've ever seen live, and it was it was just a real bummer. And the the ghost of Maya Moore just hangs that specter on the links, just yeah. crushing the sparks one after the other. <laughs> I just like it, it was, you know, uh, the physicality that she played with was just like blew mm-hmm. me away. You know, yeah. like uh, players were there and then they weren't. <laughs> like yeah. she she would like pivot. <laughs> And then she would pivot again. And that player who was there like a second ago mm-hmm. was not there anymore. And it was yeah. just, it was, it was so much fun to watch her play. Unfortunately, she was on the wrong side of that rivalry. Cause mm-hmm. I do recall, you know, uh, there was a, a, 
I forget which final series it was. And I think Minnesota won that one, the one that I'm thinking of. Um, but I remember watching it back in the house that we were renting at the time. We had like a bar there. And I, you know, I, I would tell Jen like, hey, you got to come watch this. This this is insane. The level mm-hmm. of basketball that is going on in the WNBA now is incredible. That, that was like, to me, was when it was started to become legitimized was with those mm-hmm. series. Um, yeah. Maybe not started, but like it was... It was like, no, holy crap, the league is really going. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, and then to just like end so abruptly was was a real bummer. So, yeah, uh, she only ended up playing eight seasons, finals and six of them, you know, four-time <laughs> champ. It's, yeah. It's a pretty good run, but it's too bad it's only eight. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like half of a Bill Russell. Like that's, yeah. you know, that kind of a mm-hmm. run is like a half of a Bill Russell. If he, <laughs> in a modern sport, that's insane. I know wild um all right well thank you very much sabrina for hopping on um i will i will keep texting you updates as i get them about dennis Schroeder's market because i know that you are very <laughs> interested in, <laughs> in what that looks like i mean would you rather have d'lo on the lakers next year or dennis Schroeder? well uh, d'lo for contract reasons and um and i i i don't know i I just think D'Lo fits better in like that five man group than Schroeder does. And the Lakers need to find their best five players next year. Like they need to find their best five man lineup. And like, I know statistically over the course of the season, that probably would be with Schroeder better than, than D'Lo. But I think you need a shooter in that, in that group there so that LeBron can handle the ball. And so that Reeves Mm -hmm. can handle the ball and you'll never see (laughs) Schroeder. No one's going to guard Dennis. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just yeah. the last two years of watching D'Lo in the playoffs. I am. Yeah. I mean, he's how young is he now? Like he was drafted in 2015. So he's got to be like 27. Yeah. Like there's, there's room to grow there. I just, I'm not banking on it. And yeah, you're, you know. you're pretty, you pretty much solidified it at 27. You know, yeah. Jen's hoping that's not the case with me turning 37 this year, but, but you're pretty much who you are at 27. And uh, yeah, I, I losing Russell's $20 million at least salary slot. Um, and also given how much leverage the Lakers kind of have there, they mm-hmm. could offer him like a one in one with a team option deal there or, an, right, right. or a guarantee with the second year that makes him really valuable with the, at the deadline that pushes him over the top over shooter for me. And also I'm not as terrified of Russell getting too big a role is in the same way that I am with shooter. Like, I just, Ham can't help himself with like he's he Dennis Schroeder is to Darvin Ham what Avery Bradley was to Frank Vogel, right? Like it's the it's the same I mean, relationship. Even, I mean Schroeder's a little better, but yeah. Frank figured it out with Avery the second time around. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Sabrina. Is there anything that you want to plug before we get you out of here? I mean, just uh general WNBA goodness at the Athletic. <laughs> Published my all-star ballot yesterday. Uh that game's coming up pretty soon. And yeah, I mean, if you want to check in on the Sparks now that the links are officially done for the season, I think a, <laughs> I think a win streak is coming up. <laughs> you have a vote. You have like an official vote for. I it? have a vote for starters. Yeah. yeah. Hot dang, that's mm-hmm. cool. Next yeah, time we talk, I, have... I want to talk about that 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 experience. That process. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you very much. That's Sabrina Merchant of the Athletic. She has not just WNBA stuff, but college women's sports there too. 
Um, and and you're going to want to check out all of it as this next college women season is going to be insane. It's going to be bonkers. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll talk to you before then. Oh, no, we're going to talk after after Dennis Schroeder signs his max contract. Um, <laughs> Whatever the next contract is, I will be on direct. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>